this may not be what the creators intended, but like it can't be an accident that this is in there. Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black Donnelly's is pure gold, and you guys are wrong. Joey Ice Cream uh, for president. I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion Collection. Is it working? Uh, <laughs> no. Never, never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm an allegory, and I'm Evan. I'm an eldritch beast, eating fairies on the beach. Nom, 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 nom. And I'm Ronnie. If you can tell by those introductions, which were very good, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. Today we are covering Amazon Prime's The Lion, the Serial Killer, and the the, the Brothel. That's I couldn't remember the name. Carnival Row. <laughs> Today we are covering Carnival Row. It's very not like uh not uh Narnia-ish. There's so. centaurs, there's fawns, there's a Mr. Tumnus looking motherfucker. Okay. Um <laughs> But before we get into that, I have a bit for us. What's the bit? What's, What's the bit? bit? Also, to the Narnia point, uh, if Aslan <laughs> is Jesus, the fairy folks are marginalized people? They're, they're pulling a Chris Claremont here. The allegory is on the nose, is my point. Yeah. Um. So, my bit. My bit, my bit, my bit. If you were a, uh, like, gaslight... London serial killer, what would your name be? Oh. This is a good one. That's this fun. is a good one. They're all good, thank you they're, very much. I work yeah, very hard on yeah. them all. all. All of them are named Jack. So, Spring Hill Jack, uh, uh, Jack the Ripper, you know. Mm-hmm. Unsealy Jack. Yeah. Oh, well, that's clearly what this, there, was, yeah. there were references happening, but... Um, I think it would take a little twist and go with uh, uh, trying to think. Trafalgar, Trafalgar. That's that's a London word. Trafalgar John. Just go a little formal with it. Trafalgar Jonathan, the gent, the gentleman killer. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> my good, my good man. Can I offer you a carriage? Step, step, step. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I feel like it's got to be good. I feel like this is like your band name, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Maybe I could have like a whole aesthetic to it and a whole like persona of like somebody who's uh, from the Outback and. I could be uh, like Crocodile Gun D, <laughs> and I would and I would and I would use a gun. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I'd say that's a knife. That's not a knife. It's a gun. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> this, this is a gun. Oh, uh, I, I went back and watched those movies. Uh, super transphobic. They do not hold up. Yeah, no, it's bad. Yeah, real it's bad. Real bad. 
whatever the actor Paul or whatever Paul Paul Hogan I think his name is yeah real bad dude uh bad man but uh I I still do stand that scene in the bar with uh call that a nah yeah so good yeah it lives separately Uh, from the film and it's many many problems yeah just if you haven't seen Crocodile Dundee since like 1997 don't go back and watch it just watch the one scene on YouTube just find the one knife scene Watch the fake movie mm-hmm. that uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, I don't remember his name, but the, the the guy with the mustache. He he's kind of like a dirty, grubby dude. He always plays like dirty, grubby dudes. You know, you know, you know the guy. He's in Hot Rod. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. You gonna call the demons on me? That guy. Mm. No. The names that are jumping into my head are not so far. Is his name Danny my... something? Danny McBride? Danny McBride, yeah. Danny McBride. Okay. Danny yeah. McBride and Chris Hemsworth made a fake Crocodile Dundee like sequel. That and, sounds uh, fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, you can just watch that instead. The best I got for my uh my uh London serial killer name is like the Yankee Menace or something like that. Ooh. Cause I'm bad at accents. They they catch me. They catch me based on that. Why not sure. just Yankee Jack, or Jack Yankee? Jack Yankee's not bad, but all of them are named Jack. You can't just have all of them be named Jack. Okay. Yeah, they'd be like, "Hey, mate, that's cultural appropriation." Well, yeah. m- uh, what's an American governor? Name? What's what's a, I was uh, gonna say mine would be Captain Jack, like the Billy Joel song. Sure. About the drug dealer, but then oh, I I'm realized gonna... that Captain Jack is also the 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 main character from the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. franchise, and I don't <laughs> also, want to be I don't want to be named that. Multiple so. historical Captain Jacks. So um, I'm gonna go with Yankee Bill. Ooh, Bill's an American name. Yankee yeah, Bill it is Yankee Bill. Yeah. It has a Bill. I, th- I would say Bill is probably your your best. Uh, Americanized version of Jack with like your uh, your Buffalo Bills and all, all oh, those yeah. uh, terrifying serial killers. It was that was in my brain somewhere, you know. Yeah. So, yep, yep. Um, I thought of the bit right when we started recording. So I, <laughs> no. I, 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 you don't. And say. then I talked about Crocodile Dundee a lot. So um, I don't like have a name picked out. Um, I don't know. Uh, something pirate themed. Um, and I'd 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 wear like a fun hat. Mm-hmm. Or something cowboy themed. I like you know a cowboy serial killer would be fun. Um, ooh, maybe I would wear like a lot of purple and like green and some like white face paint, and I would go by like the jester. You could do. <laughs> That's totally blows up. <laughs> you could do. How about this? Pirate. Talk about society. Pirate and and cowboy. Call yourself Captain Quickdraw, and Ooh. and you just pull up on people and be like, "Do me," and they'll be like, "No," be like, "Ha!" Blast. Um. Arrgh. And I would uh, point a mortar at the White House. 
That's it's your, illegal to say that. that. It's is, illegal is, to say that. You're, is, that's why you're saying that is because it's illegal yeah. to say that. I'm just letting everyone know <laughs> that it's illegal to call yourself the outlaw captain, Captain Outlaw, and to point a mortar at the White House. It's illegal to call yourself point a mortar at the White House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is super illegal to talk about wanting to point a mortar at the White House to kill the president and call yourself kill the president. Mm-hmm kid <laughs> it's illegal to call yourself cannonball in the oval office mcgee <laughs> is it illegal to change your name to like, i want to kill the president shoot, shoot, as yeah. word? <laughs> shoot the president jim <laughs> I, I, i've changed my name i to, love that the surname there is jim <laughs> to, i've yeah. changed my name to harvey sure. lee oswald and sure. i want sure. to shoot him at us Harvey Lee Oswald, shoot the president. Two words. <laughs> My last name is shoot the president. All of that is illegal. If you do any of, of that, that is illegal. illegal. Don't Just do any of those that. things with Just a mortar. So you know. I want to get one of those big, uh, from like the Adam West Batman movie when he's running around with the bomb. You know, like a big black cannonball with a like really silly looking fuse. Uh, that's like shooting off sparklers, and uh, I want to throw it at uh, Air Force One. Can't say that. This is this As is the intro to the podcast. It's really hard for me to cut around so much of this, <laughs> as, like, as opposed to what we did last time. Uh, this is all Patreon content. <laughs> I don't know. If... No, don't make Ronnie no, do that. It's not Patreon. Ronnie content. just had a baby. Yeah. Leave, leave uh, you want to talk about the show? Let's, yeah, talk, let's, about talk, the about, show. let's talk about the show. Let's allegorically talk about the show. Um. All right. I'm. My summary is going to be long because there's a lot happening. So a lot happening. Yeah. Just, just lot happening. skim it. I like. I, we need to. There's. There are uh, title cards with exposition on them. So like, this is how they had to really pack it in. You know, they mm-hmm. had to really pack in the exposition because there's a lot of world building happening here. Are you going to um, say any spoilers? Should we warn about spoilers? Well, yeah, we always say spoilers. We always do the spoilers yeah, but, here. But usually it's a bad show. This show is pretty decent and it's pretty recent and it's pretty easily available. Okay. Yeah, so, pause ending pending. Go watch these two episodes of Carnival We know Road. you have Amazon Prime because everybody unfortunately does. I mean, ourselves then, included. That's not a dunk on And then you. come back and listen to us. Um, yeah, do that. Um, so the, the opening, like I said, there's opening title cards. We've got some exposition cards. Start with our exposition cards. Um, and the exposition cards explain that for the last long time, I don't know exactly how long, there have been these two, like, imperial colonial forces, the Berg and the Pact, and they've been fighting each other for control of Tirnanok, which is the, like, fairy creature homeland um and of course like as with any like war of colonization they've been destroying the land and destroying the native population and in the last couple of years i think it was like seven years last handful of years the berg has retreated and uh the the native people of tiranak have been like destroyed and like everything has been just absolutely fucked to shit by this colonial war happening. Um, and with the one colonial power gone, they're now being like overrun by the pact. 
Um, so that sucks, but it also, like, it sucks to be living there still. So there's a lot of refugees, and a lot of them are going to the Berg, which sucks. It's not clear if the Berg is, like, a city-state or, like, a nation or, like, a continent or what. It doesn't matter, but it's, it's not quite clear. They're going to this other place. Um, so we're introduced to our one primary character, Vignette Stone Moss, who is a pixie. They're human-sized in this universe. Uh, like, all the fae, except kobolds, are, like, mm-hmm. roughly human-sized. Um, and she's worked out some connections with some transport ships, and she's sort of been escorting fae refugees to the ships to flee Tirnanok to the Berg. Uh, and we, the viewer, encounter her as she's, like, fleeing gunmen with a bunch of refugees. And she makes it to the ship, but she's the only one who survives. And then because her luck is just terrible, or really good, I guess, the ship sinks. And she's the only one who survives that also. And uh, on the ship, we see that she has a photo of Rycroft Philostrate, played by Orlando Bloom. And it's clear from context that she was in love with him and she thinks he's dead. Um, So she washes up on shore in the berg. And then we're introduced to our other primary character, uh, Rycroft Philostrate. He is a police inspector. um, And his kind of defining characteristic is that he's a a good dude. All the (laughs) other police are bad, but he's a good police man. Um, And he's investigating... A series of attacks carried out by someone who the public is calling Unseelie Jack. Um, several people have died. An unspecified number of people have died. Uh, several more have been very seriously injured. They're all fae, so they're like racially motivated attacks. The most recent victim describes the guy and... Uh, 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 Philo, everybody calls him Philo, which is like the first syllable of his last name, is like on the hunt for this this killer. Um, and for a while, he thinks that it's one of his co-workers, because of course all the police are racist, and there's one that matches the description. But um, that turns out not to be the case. We'll return to that in a moment. Uh, Vignette has washed up in the Berg. Uh, she's taken in by the police um, they can't quite figure out what to do with her, and then they're like, oh, we know. The person who uh, owns the ship legally should uh, have custody of her because she uh, owes an indenture for having been transported. Like, that's how they do it. You pay money or you be an indentured servant, and that works off your transportation debt. Um, so the dude who owns the ship is a fellow named, I think his name's Ezra? Yes. Yeah. A uh, fellow named Ezra, he has a sister named Imogen, and they are very wealthy humans, but it's clear that, like, their household is in decline. I believe their father has died fairly recently, and, uh, like, Ezra is not real great at managing their money, and Imogen is kind of oblivious. And so they live in this big opulent house. And, you know, they have all the trappings of wealth, but, like, they're not actually really financially secure. And Ezra has made an investment in some of these, like, transport ships. 
and he like legally owned the ship that Vignette was transported on. So uh, she has to be his like house servant for like a year or something now. Um, so she's uh, established, uh, Vignette is established with this family for a little bit. And then she learns from a friend of hers that uh, Philo, who she believed was dead, is in fact alive. She uh, figures out where he is staying. Um, she goes to kill him, but she can't quite bring herself to do it at the last minute. Um, but they become aware of one another, and it's the, their history is not revealed in this episode, but it's clear that they have some dramatic history together. Um, at the conclusion of this episode, uh, Philo figures out that the um, the fellow, his co-worker, who matches the description of the killer is not the killer. In fact, because uh, he, he does some, some clever sleuthing about the timelines and figures out that there's a ship that comes into port every three weeks, and these killings happen every three weeks, and he uh, tracks down the Navy man who... Uh, has in fact been doing these killings and uh, he corners him on a rooftop and the guy says something uh, very dark and mysterious about the like the fairies having brought some dark and terrible god with them when they came to this country and so he insists that he's doing a good thing by killing them because he has to because the because of some Ooh, some some dark force that they have brought with them, and then he throws himself on off of a roof. Um, either at the very end of episode one or the very beginning of episode two, uh, there is a uh, a fae woman walking along the riverfront, and she is attacked by something coming out of the sewers, something large and dark and horrible looking. And uh, Philo uh, is tasked with investigating her murder also. Um, he finds out that she was a singer and was, like, well-known in her time. And she's, uh, like, doesn't have any enemies but has a lot of, like, community connections. Uh, so I don't think he gets very far in this one. I don't think he gets very far on that investigation. Um, meanwhile, at the, oh, I forgot something, uh, important from episode one. Uh, remember the, the rich family who's declining in wealth? They have some mysterious new neighbor moving in across from them, and they're all very interested in what's going on, and they go over to, uh, greet their new neighbor, and it turns out it's a fawn man, a, like, a, a fairy guy, and they're, like, very scandalized by this. This is simply socially unacceptable, and they can't figure out how this this fairy man got so rich that he could buy this enormous house and move in and live in their rich human people neighborhood. Ezra, who is the the rich fellow, uh, the one of these these two these two this brother and sister pair uh, that owns Vignette, uh, attempts to sexually assault Vignette. And uh, she, in self-defense, attacks him. And uh, when Imogen asks him what's going on, uh, he says that she was stealing. And she runs away, and they report her to the police. 
uh, Philo, because he, you know, works there, hears about this, and he, uh, like, she's, she's in trouble for breaking contract, uh, and so he buys the remainder of her contract, which is apparently fairly expensive, so that she's off the hook now. Um, but Vignette uh, now doesn't really have anywhere to go because she only knows, like, one person here, and the person she knows is a sex worker, and her friend, the sex worker, does not want her to be a sex worker. And so she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? So um, Vignette gets put in touch with this group of, like, fairy... Uh, like the Brotherhood uh, of Evil Fairies. Yeah, the Brotherhood of <laughs> Evil Fairies. Basically, I was gonna say like the fairy, like IRA sort of. Um, but it, it's like a gaslight gatekeep girl boss Magneto fairy and yeah. her cronies. Yeah, they're uh, they're basically like trying through means of violence and uh, coercion and uh, and like zany pranks. Zany, sure. They're, they're trying to, uh, you know, make a better life for fairies who are stuck in the Berg through uh, unscrupulous means. They're introduced in a very hardcore way. Um, one of the, the, the leader, one of the leaders, uh, she uh, throws a woman off a, a roof because she uh, has reason to believe that she is uh, feeding information to the police about the organization. So, uh, Vignette sees this as an, and is a little bit uh, put off by it, as one would be. But um, the, the leader of this organization is like, hey, you're cool. You seem cool. You can join our organization if you steal the flag that is hanging in the middle of the lobby of the police station. Because... Um, that you gotta be tough and you gotta be spunky and you gotta be smart. <laughs> um, so uh, she's she's given that task to do. Also, another important thing that's happening is that um, there is a politician and his wife, and they have a son who's kind of a playboy. Uh, the politician is like kind of vaguely like fairies are fine. Let's not be racist. He's not really a good guy. But he's, uh, you know, he's kind of got some centrist vibes, you know. Um, so he and his wife, uh, he's a politician. They're, they're rich and powerful. Their son is a playboy and kind of a ding-dong. Um, and he likes to just fuck around and do dumb, bad stuff. So he goes to the uh, brothel that Vignette's friend works at. Um, and, uh, like, in the night... Uh, when everyone else is asleep, he gets abducted by some mysterious forces. And um, the politician and his wife are like, oh no, our son, we need to get our son back. I bet someone terrible has kidnapped our son. Um, so the wife convinces her husband, the politician, to uh, a work with uh, like a fairy like soothsayer woman to uh, do some some augury. No, I guess augury is birds. What's the one? Anyway, to do some some magic, some divination, to figure out who took their son. And uh, the fairy woman is like, ooh, it was your political enemy. And the politician husband's like, I knew it. Um, but then it is revealed to us, the audience, 
that uh, the mom, like the, the politician's wife and the mother of the kidnapped young man, uh, was responsible for the kidnapping, uh, and she sort of manipulated this fairy woman into lying to her husband to uh, convince him that it was his political enemy who did this kidnapping. Um, and so smash cut back to vignette. Uh, she, uh, her friend Tourmaline, the sex worker, uh, helps to distract the police uh, while she uh, flies up and steals the flag. Uh, Philo catches her, but she blackmails him. Well, not really. Like, she, she, she's like, you gotta let me go, because otherwise I will reveal every to everyone a dark secret about you. Um, some kind of dark secret that we, the audience, haven't learned yet. Ooh. So he lets her go, and she succeeds in capturing the flag. And, um, at the end of this, Philo's still investigating the, the death of this singer, this fairy singer woman who was, like, disemboweled by the riverside. Um, that's still an open case at the end of this episode. Yes, indeedy. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's, that's, I, Oh, I, I forgot the, I forgot the other plot with Ezra and Imogen. Um, the, it's in this episode that uh, Imogen is finally clued into the fact that uh, Ezra is bad mm. with money and they don't have any money. And uh, so she's like, oh, the, um, the, the fairy man who lives across, uh, across the way from them now uh, like mocked her for wearing like some kind of aphrodisiac um, like perfume, uh, which like apparently that's like a well-known thing among like fairies like she got it from some like fairy apothecary or something and he's he like mocks her for this um so she's like she writes a letter to him uh after having learned that Ezra lost all their money basically and uh she's it's clear that what she's going to do is try to like manipulate him into giving them money And that's it. Sorry. That's it. I mean, that's it, but there's honestly still like so much more. There's a lot There's a going lot of on meat on these bones. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep to the the primary threads mm-hmm. here. The the mm-hmm. main uh the main causeways. Yeah. And you did action. it. Despite like it it's just that's two episodes. That's two episodes of this mm-hmm. show. Um and Considering that we did watch these two episodes, you know I gotta ask it. Hey, Andy. Hey, Ronnie. These two episodes of Amazon Prime's Carnival Row, uh, do they work for you? Um, I remember liking the show when we first watched it. And I don't know if it's because I've already seen it, but I was kind of, uh, like, not super invested this time around. But it is a vibe vibe. It like, is a vibe vibe. The aesthetics I'm, are strong. Yeah, I, I'm very here for, hey, governor, you're a fucking <laughs> centaur. Hey, get the fuck out of here, you fucking centaur. You know, like, oh, Mr. Tumnus, get, go, suck, go suck a dick. Get the fuck out of here. 
you know, kind of, uh, oh, Govnets, London Times, oh, throw another shrimp on the Bobby. You know, I'm nope. here for it. No, no. I'm here for, I'm here for it. It's very good. It's very, it's very fun. Uh, it is a vibe vibe. I could not have told you a single goddamn thing that happened <laughs> in these two episodes other than Orlando Bloom was hot and sad. But yeah. uh, I had a good time with them, I guess. I can't, Okay, there we go. I guess I had a good time. Yeah, it's working. <laughs> got there. I got, got there. Right. I don't know what... I don't know what the fuck happened, but hey, I'm here. It's old London town. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the old times. Oh, but there's centaurs and shit. This is what, this is what fucking Bright should have been. Goddamn Bright should have been this show. This Dave, show is. You fucking like stole my whole line. Bright is yeah. real bad and unwatchable. And this is good and watchable. Yeah. Uh, Hey, Evan. Yeah, Ronnie. We watched two episodes of uh, Carnival Road. Do they work for you? They did. This is my shit, man. This is like, I'm I'm biased. Like I like this. I like exactly this. Um, this is my whole thing. So this show really taps into an aesthetic I like, and like a style of world building that I like. And um, I think it's like honestly pretty solid. It has flaws. It is not perfect, but um, I I've been enjoying rewatching it. Uh, I think. It's very competently written, in spite of being complex. I think it's, I think it's, uh, like it all like connects clearly. There's not any like weird hand waving about the mysteries, you know. Like the crime aspect of it is pretty, pretty solid. Uh, like the the world feels very rich. Uh, like you're getting a lot of information, but it does make it feel like like things are lived in. So I've really been having a good time rewatching this show. Question. Hey, yeah. Did you like my rendition of it? Your my rendition oh, of it. London town. Yeah. Uh, did you like my version? Was that also good? Yes, I did. I did oh. enjoy listening to you say those words. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> hey Ronnie. Hey Ronnie. Hey yeah. Hey yeah. Did you enjoy these two? Episodes of the old timey London <laughs> show. Oh, did you like them? I feel like you're doing a pirate accent. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, the London Times, the the, the Centaur. Now I feel like you're uh, and oh, the witches. You, there's witches. Oh, you know, spooky. um, you know, uh, uh, Willem Dafoe's character from the Lighthouse. Yes, that's what that's what you're doing. You're doing salty sea <laughs> yes. dog oh. as filtered through Willem Dafoe. <laughs> And Did you like these tales of dread and salmi lobster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're doing a good neighbor's impression, babe. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it worked for me. It, it is, it is, uh, dense. I will say that it is uh, if that was text. not already evident, um, <laughs> there is a lot of setup of this world, um, and. It does a job, like, setting you into it. I don't know if it's, like, the best job, but, like, there there can be some excuses for a pilot of this nature to, like, really have to establish a lot of different footholds. Um, but, yeah, there, there's, there's, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it works. It, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. I'm having a good time. Uh, a little, it's, it's. 
this is this is uh not necessarily my whole shit i do like it it's not my whole shit like it is your whole shit evan there are like bits of this allegory where it's like woof this allegory is so thin this this is so on the nose Mm -hmm. that this is sometimes hard to watch um this i i am not used to my fantasy content being so dripped in this kind of real world stuff um which says, I think, more about me and my ability to like just suspend disbelief and also like uh, be a little bit dense about metaphors sometimes. But uh, I would say it's working. There's, there's, there's uh, some parts have an uphill climb, but it is, it is working. Yeah. To to Ronnie's point about like the allegory, like there are elements of this show where the allegory is clearly for like i would say marginalized races like the the fawn who moved across the street and has a human neighbor you know and the the fawn is played by a black actor mm-hmm. that is very clearly talking about racial stuff and then there are also elements where it is clearly about like lgbtq people and the allegory is not particularly subtle about either instances Mm -hmm. uh like there's a moment where orlando bloom walks by some cops and they're talking about uh some sort of fairy folk that they had like beat up who they found out wasn't passing and that this fairy folk person had been trying to pass as human and they yeah they they noticed that the the fairy wasn't passing. And I, I think they talked about like beating them up and it's just like, Oh, well that feels pretty uh, rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, they said that uh, uh, somebody's shoe came off and they saw that they had a hooved foot and they were like that, the, that son of a bitch was trying to pass as one of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there, there, there are a lot of other instances where it's like, okay, this is very clearly like a queer metaphor. Um, uh, I think specifically some of the like secret relationship stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I would say that it is not ham fisted. It's maybe like a little direct and it yeah. may be uh, a little uncomfortable at times, but it is not nearly as ham fisted as like bright. <laughs> yeah, let me talk about let me talk about this versus bright for a minute and yeah. i'll also like there's some things the, there's... the intro of this show versus the intro of bright too i think is like remarkable like the like specimens in jars and like the the centaur like uh picture kaleidoscope thing like that versus what bright gave us yeah um so bright is bad because it stereotypes like it does stereotyping even though it's saying like that's bad and also because it doesn't have fucking shit all to say about race um also like i mean there's a lot of reasons bright is bad but my my point in comparing it to bright is that like when i watched bright what i wanted was carnival row because like urban fantasy is like my whole thing so i was I'm, it's very easy to, like, suck me into this genre because it's my whole thing. So, like, I was very I was very willing to forgive, like, some errors with Bright. But boy, howdy. Like, this, 
this is the good version of Bright. Andy's absolutely yeah. right. Um, to your point about like Bright not saying anything, like the allegory in Bright is just that the orcs are the orcs are black people are are like black and Hispanic people. Yeah, and they wear do rags and basketball sports jerseys and stuff, mm-hmm. and they, I guess, do crime. Yeah, versus. And Carnival. they sided with the Dark Lord 3,000 years ago. Whereas Carnival Row is saying the fairy folk are marginalized identities and discrimination against them is bad. Like, like Carnival and Row also, so far like, has, like, has a point to talk about. Yeah, they've done nothing wrong. Their country was invaded by these people. And now it, they have no choice but to be here and be subject it, to it, ongoing, like harm from these people. And it also yeah. seemed like pretty sympathetic about the idea of like and these marginalized groups have had to turn to things like sex work and crime because the society is completely like stacked against them and they're just trying to make a better life for themselves. Like it's it's been very sympathetic I think to uh, those sort of instances happening which like for queer people that is something that like historically in America, we have had to like turn to and do. If I remember from Bright, it seems like the point that they were trying to make is just that there are different races and different races can be different things, except that the script of Bright doesn't bear that out at all. Like every yeah. different group is fully a monolith. Like the, the elves are all exactly the same elite mm-hmm. uh, group. The orcs are all the same, like, you know, bottom of society group. And like it, it very much the fact that, these people who are less than are literally a different species in bright is rough. Like it feels rough. Whereas like that is also the case here in, um, in carnival row, but these people are not a monolith. These, these marginalized groups are like, they are fully realized and there's a lot of different variation between them, uh, in, in, in all aspects of their personality. And like, it it feels richer, as you said, Evan. Yeah. Um, yeah, so some things I like, I, I, I do... Look, I, I, uh, I am a little bit bothered by an extremely on-the-nose allegory as much as the next person, but having seen how aggressively people will put blinders on to allegories in stuff like this... Yeah. I'm actually, I'm, like, trying to relax a little bit about it. Look at you, Star Wars fans. Yeah, people are just profoundly unwilling to engage with what fiction is trying to say a lot of the time, unfortunately. So um, the fact that they had to be a little aggressive about it, I'm totally willing to forgive in this case. Yeah. Um, I I will say it definitely, what I have in my notes is that it's a little hard to watch, but it very much makes its point. It does not. Yeah. It does not like joke around about like yeah. what it is trying to say, and that I appreciate. It does not shy away from the subject. Also, um, you guys both mentioned this a little bit. Uh, there's like, it's not an allegory for a marginalized group. Like the fairies are like as they are in real life. They are multiple different marginalized groups who have sort of. Uh, like built a community together in like the rough part of town because they're all like united by 
the fact that they have been uh, just shafted by the rest of society. So they're all like, they all look different. They all have different like cultures and values, but they're all kind of like living here. They formed this like symbiotic uh, kind of uh, community together. There are fairies with wings. There are centaurs. There are fawns. There are uh, little goblin guys. Uh, is that all of them? Uh, there are witches. Yeah, I, it's not clear what like race the the witches are. I or think species, they are, but like I think that is their race. That was the vibe oh, I got. Okay, that's possible. Yeah, I think it's like um, a night sister Dathomir situation. Yeah. The other thing I like though is that they hired actors of color to play mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, like people who are meant to be representing marginalized groups. Uh, like, there's not like. It's it's not as though like all of the pixies are like one race and like all of the fawns are one race or whatever, but uh, like it is a, a very diverse group of people. There are skin tone variations across all yeah. of the different fairy folk. Yeah, and specifically the like the actor they hired to play this fawn, uh, like where it's clearly uh, this like class struggle slash race struggle story that's happening they hired a black person well done <laughs> well it, like when i mentioned chris claremont like which i i will do at any opportunity <laughs> but like he created the mutant metaphor for x-men stanley loves to take credit for it it's not in stanley's work it doesn't show up till claremont and he did that by having more than just five white kids as the x-men he did that by having storm become their leader he did that by having magneto become a good guy and making Magneto Jewish, and by having Kitty Pryde join the team and be Jewish, and uh, by getting as much queer subtext as he could get on the page at the time of the Comics Code Authority and when Jim Shooter said there are no gay people in the Marvel Universe. So by Stan Lee, like, shoving as much subtext in with, you know, Magneto being Jewish and Kitty being Jewish and different characters being queer and having... Uh, you know, different, uh, like, races on the X-Men team that made the metaphor for marginalization have a lot more weight to it. Like, God Loves, Man Kills starts off with two mutants being lynched by religious extremists, and it's two black kids. And it's really horrific and really powerful. And, like... Paramount is saying something there. And I think Carnival Row is doing a good job of trying to, you know, do stuff with this fairy folk metaphor thing by having different characters be black and having um, people talk in a clear way that is meant to evoke, uh, I think, queer issues. Mm -hmm. Now, it would have been, I think, a little more powerful if we had a queer romance happening anywhere in this show which there might be i don't remember if there is i don't remember either so far there hasn't been one. there hasn't been uh like it's pretty clear from the dialogue that uh vignette and tourmaline yeah have sex at some point though yep like it's been like they talk about having sex so there's that but as we were talking we we have some bisexual Mm. representation as we were talking about last time like that alone a uh a a queer story does not make you know what i mean no no definitely not uh, I'm not. I'm not like giving them sure. queer romance credit for that. I'm yeah. just saying I don't remember if there's a queer romance, and they did. They did make a point of including that they've had sex. So, yeah. um, 
But this this That's issue good. of like passing and trying to hide yourself and trying to, you know, having a community where you don't have to pass and like, is it better to try and pass or is it better to just em- embrace your differences and live with your community even though you're going to be discriminated against? You know, like mm-hmm. it's all very queer mm-hmm. and uh, it's very uh, Claremontian to me. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I didn't mention specifically not all of the. Uh, fairies are played by people of color, but all of the humans are played by white people, as far as I can recall. I don't, I don't remember. Like at least all of the primary ones, like Imogen, Ezra, um, Orlando Bloom's character, all the police that yeah. I can think of are all white, white that, actors. That's a really so. good point, Babe. Yeah. Uh, Housemate Kim brought this up the other day, where we were watching a show, and it was like, uh, I, I don't remember what show it was, but the cops were bad guys. And one of the cops was played by a black woman. And Kim was like, you know, on the one hand, it's like, I guess it's nice to see representation in a show like this. But on the other hand, it's like, why is the evil cop a black woman? Like, what sort of representation is that? Kim, and Kim pointed out that, like, a disproportionate number of cops in television are black recently, women yeah. specifically. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, that's a very good point, housemate Kim. And uh, it would have been really weird to have seen some of these racist ass fantasy cops being played by people of color when their whole point is that they're racist white cops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good job, show. Yeah. Um, Also, looks beautiful. Show. Yeah. Costumes are great. Costumes are great. Uh, Like, they had to... I don't know where they filmed this but a huge portion of it had to have been on like custom built sets yeah like even if they had a green screen in some areas like the buildings have a distinctive like architectural style that doesn't look familiar to me i mean they might exist somewhere but certainly they they were like modified for the show oh There's, it's like, just this... like back home in old london town that was that in that that just sounds like old old Andy. Yeah, now you just yeah, you're just doing an old man voice. Um, but uh there's there's like this overground like tram system that doesn't look like it's 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 it is a level of technology and also like a style of like public transit that I that doesn't look familiar to me. So, like, maybe, I don't know if they filmed it on location somewhere, but uh, certainly they did a lot to make it really look visually distinctive from any, like, place that actually exists. Now, I will say, as great as the makeup looks on all of the fairy folk, there is a little bit of Young Hercules situation where uh, a whole lot of fantasy characters are being filmed from the waist up. Now, when they show you their weird fawn legs and stuff, it they do look great. But there is a whole lot of waist-up shots for sure. some of the Tumnuses and some of the uh, the centaurs and stuff. Sure, I can't. I'm Which, sure that's again, related. You know, I get it. It's it's way better than when in humans they hid the centaur's legs by having him stick Wear his shoes. feet in the sand, and then halfway through that they just forgot, and he was just wearing regular ass human yeah. shoes. It's a lot better than in humans. Yeah. Um, I, and Do you that, guys remember that? Do you remember I, when they just yeah. filmed him with his feet in the sand? Yeah. <laughs> so that they couldn't show his hopes. 
anymore. Just wear your sneakers. Here's some Crocs, you dumbass. <laughs> Talk about how you have a king and who I used to have a king. Come on. Come on. Say your lines. Say your lines. Oh. <laughs> it's better than that. It is. It is. Can confirm. Can confirm. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like by even bringing up young Hercules and <sighs> humans, you're doing it a bit of a disservice because, like, the 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 artful uh, like avoiding of fantasy body parts was not conspicuous to me. Yeah. You know, uh, I wasn't I wasn't like, ooh, that's a weird that that shot doesn't make sense here. It's clear they're trying to hide something. There and, were I forget his name, but the the fancy guy. There were a couple shots where, like, on the one hand, I think they're trying to stress how tall he is, mm-hmm. so he's shot from. Uh, like an a, an angle looking up a lot to, I think show how imposing he is to these shitty rich white people that he's surrounded by that don't respect him and they're they're having to constantly like look up at him, which I I think is saying something with the filming, but also I feel like they do not show him in wide shots because they do not want to show his legs, mind you, like I said. It is better than fucking it humans. Is, it is better than two of the worst shows that we have watched. We've ever seen, yeah. It is not as bad as that. But there are a couple of shots where I'm like, oh, I feel like we're not getting a wide shot here because that guy's got uh, hooves instead of feet. They were con- like very conspicuous but, about showing it like when he was yeah. introduced. Like he walks into the room and they show a full yeah. body shot and he's... One or two shots, we get full bodies. Looks great. Yeah, and when yeah. when they do show everything, all of it looks amazing. Yeah, and all of the like facial prosthetics and all the wings, all the fairy all wings the when they're actually flying, like it 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 works. It looks good. Like it holds yeah. up. It all looks dope. Um, uh. I like when Orlando Bloom is sexy and looks sad, <laughs> and that's this whole show, baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's hot and sad. He's hot and sad, and he's like drinking coffee and he's like drinking whiskey and he's sad and he's in the bar and he's sad and he's at home and he's sad and he goes to work and no one everyone respects him but no one likes him because he's not a racist and he's sad and he's it's just him in a bad system and he's trying to do good in it and he's sad about it Mm -hmm. and oh i love him i want to kiss his beautiful sad face Mm -hmm. everybody else clearly does too yeah oh (laughs) Um, I had a big Orlando Bloom Legolas poster above my bed. Oh, I had a and, big Orlando Bloom Legolas poster and, when I was a kid. It wasn't above my bed. And everyone thought I was straight. <laughs> and it, was, it was like a montage of different Orlando Bloom poses as Legolas. Uh, and everyone thought I was a heterosexual. I sure did. You had him fooled, babe. Um, I I also think that the uh, the police investigation stuff is uh good and sensible and is easy enough to follow that it's clear but also like a little clever it's not there's none of this like magical making crazy connections like bbc sherlock in bbc sherlock um you get some clues <laughs> yeah and he gets, sometimes he's wrong he puts it together and you're like oh yeah that makes sense so, like, I think they do just the right amount of, like, police procedural stuff that it adds a little bit of police procedural flavor to it mm-hmm. without distracting you 
and without being like so ponderous where he's like putting together and then the it's you know the police work seems to move the the police work seems to move the plot along as opposed to like the plot also being there to support the police like deep deep uh mysteries Mm -hmm. i thought the thing with the uniform was like a really clever thing that he got wrong and then he had to puzzle it out like Mm -hmm. one of the clues was the murderer was dressed in a uniform and he because of his own biases against his co-workers because they're all fucking racist his biases are completely completely correct yeah he's like oh it's got to be a cop because all the cops are really racist so he's investigating all these cops and then later he puts it together that it was a sailor in a sailor uniform Mm -hmm. and I, i like that was very interesting I thought that was a good, a good fun clue. Um, I uh, like the cast. I think, I mean, it, to to say nothing of of Orlando Bloom being very hot and sad, just in general, he he does good in this role. Um, Cara Delevingne, I think Delev, I can never pronounce her last name, but I think she's also very good in a lot of things. Um, yeah. Everyone does an excellent job. And even better than that, somebody gave them all some fantasy-ass fantasy names, and I am so here for that. You cut out, and it sounded like you were saying something very impactful. Somebody gave them some what? Somebody gave them some fantasy-ass fantasy names, and I am yeah. all on board for that. I like I like the names in this. It's they're good. weird, but they're like... um. They're 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 real words. Is the, yeah. that's the that's the key. They're real words, but they're words that are not typically used as names. So they're not like stupidly hard to remember. They're not like just impossible fucking like syllable salad. Um, but they are fun. Like it, tourmaline. What a fun name. What mm-hmm. a fun fantasy name. It feels a little bit between uh, a song of ice and fire and the forgotten realms. Yeah. There's a little bit of D&D-ass names, and there's a little bit of George R.R. Martin-ass names. And they're all kind of hanging out together and having a good time. And uh, to that point, Ronnie, the world feels very lived in and established. Like, yeah, the names all kind of connect and feel like they're of the same, you know, place. Mm-hmm. And uh, all, of the, all the costuming and all of the, everything feels very, uh, very rich and very there. I like the uh, the wing corsets. Uh, it's it's clever because it's it's it makes it easier on the effects team. But there's also like an in universe reason that they exist. Like the like and the, they look uncomfortable. Yeah, like the and like the the piece of costuming looks good. It's a well thought out, well designed piece of costuming that they show in like a dressing scene, and like you know, it's make it's clear how it works and like what it's for and like the you know it's just a good good thing just clever thing that somebody thought up and then executed well it makes more sense than angel in the x-men's uh wing belt situation where he's like bobby help me belt my wings down and bobby is then like sweating because he's having gay warren thoughts (laughs) but uh it never like they never did a good job of making you believe that Warren can actually hide those fuckers uh, mm-hmm. under his trench coat. But these, like Evan said, like it looks very real, and I like that when we see actors wearing them, like walking around in their street clothes, 
you can tell that they're uncomfortable and uh you know taking these steps to pass does not feel good oh uh i like the the actors playing imogen and ezra also i feel like yes. they both feel they both feel slimy but like not like imogen is imogen is like an annoying character but she does not annoy me to watch and like that really takes some that really takes some acting chops to like play an annoying character but one that like does not actually irritate the audience in the wrong way like we're supposed to think that she like kind of sucks mm. and like is clueless and like Ezra also feels like stressed out and kind of like, I don't know, he, like, in spite of being, like, terrible, like, he's still, like, there's just a little sympathy there because he's kind of pathetic, so, good, good, good choice. You want to punch him in the face, though. Yeah, like, he yeah really no, does like, suck. make no mistake, he sucks, like, he really sucks, but you're just, like, he sucks in a, like, wow, what a, what a sad dude kind of a way, not in, like, a, what a monster kind of a way. Agrius, is that his name? The big fawn guy? Am I saying I that right? I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very hot. Yeah. Like, I, I know that it's a little bit the, the monster fucker in me that I want to fuck the big, like, minotaur fawn guy, but he, his, his voice is very good, and, like, he dresses real sharp, and he just has such, like, a calm confidence about him. And he's kind of, like, savage with the insults, too. I just love everything about that guy. Mm. Um, Very into him. As Actor's think, doing a great job. Yeah. As with, with any show, um, Kirsten and I are watching a, a show that has gone on uh, six seasons. And so it's one of those things where, like, there's a bajillion actors that come in and out of the show. And I'm, I'm having a fun time, like, spotting those actors in the wild. Uh, Ezra in in this show um, the show i'm talking about is outlander um mm. and the ezra in that show plays uh the bonnie prince uh charles stewart um mm. who in that show is is a very similar character just like someone with power who like should not have power and it just wants to be punched in the face but is played kind of like amicably uh and uh i don't know if this is just the one thing that that guy does i can't imagine he'd be stellar at much else uh, but he does it well. He he does he does a good job. I was like, oh, this is well, Prince Charlie. Good, I mean, good casting in that case. Yeah. I mean, if that is if that's his one thing, they cast him good. He's but, working, uh, you know. Yeah, works. Um, lore wise, uh, Imogen at one point was like, oh, we can go uh, meet them, and and uh, you know. It's it's modern now. It's the seventh century, and I'm just like seventh century since what? Seventh century since what? Imogen, the birth of fantasy yeah. Christ. What is what is <laughs> what is happening? It, yeah, I do remember her saying that, and I had the same thought. I was like, oh well, they're clearly not mapping to like real world. Time. Yeah, like cause well, this good is on like, you because in my head I yeah. was like, wow, is this this so in the eight hundreds. This is what it looked like? No, this cannot be what it looked like. No, well, like, this is... I think they make it pretty clear that this is not, like, our... Right, universe. yes. You know, yes. this. it's not like it's not like 
London with fairy creatures on top of it. Right. And it's not even like London where things are renamed. Right. It's I don't it's know like though. It sounds it sounds like from those voices, it sounds really much like it's it's London. Not to diss Bright again. Not uh, this Bright. That was a big problem with Bright, is like uh I think it's Lindsay Ellis's takedown where she talks about how like Will Smith saying like fairy lives don't matter today. Like, does that like he's clearly directly referencing the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, does that mean the BLM movement happened in the Bright yeah. universe? The movie Shrek happened in the Bright universe. The movie Shrek about, uh, you know, uh, fairy tale creatures, like, which are fictional. And, like, th- that that movie happened, though, but in the Bright universe because they mentioned Shrek. And they mentioned Catholicism. And, so, yeah, like, that means there a, was a Jesus Christ and there is a pope. Yeah, and, like, there's a, is there an elf? Is the pope an elf? Is there an elf pope? Did anyway. Jesus die for the elves' sins as and the orcs? Or was it just for human sin? Yeah. And, there. There is it, it, when I watch so to to jump back to to Carnival Row when I watch this show and they do things like um, they you know thank the martyr or something like that they make say these things that are clearly a different religion from a different world um, it gives me vibes when I hear y'all talking about uh, Dragon Age and I'm like I don't have mm-hmm. any idea what's going the maker yeah. what's going on here but like that's good as much as it's like the 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 growing pains are there in episode one of like all right now so there's this whole other world right and there's fairies there right like that has its like strains the fact that you can just kind of start fresh and be like everything you know like forget about it like there's all kinds of different things that you cannot absolutely parallel what you know to be true in your own life it's easier to take them at the martyr and go oh so they have some sort of religion that has an analogous Christ figure, but it's not Christ versus seeing the Pope mobile in cars and now having a lot of questions about, about a lot of things. Yeah. Having a lot of questions about a lot of things. Yeah. Was Um, there a car? Noah, did he have to build a car arc? Was there a car Adam and car Eve? What was the apple? What was the serpent? What was nudity? Did all the cars just not have shell? Anyway, see, yeah. this is why you can't have a car Pokemobile. It's a, it's like on Apocrypals one time they mentioned how in an episode of Pokemon Santa Claus shows up. And it's like, so there's Christmas, which means there's Christ, which means there's <laughs> there's a the, the Christian God in Pokemon. What's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> yeah so it's just way easier to just be like the martyr we yeah. don't need to ask any more questions now We're yeah. Good. yeah you can yeah. tell and like that's a strong world building tactic that they use where they don't explain what the fuck the martyr is but when you when you hear people using it as an expletive like you just you just know what they're like oh they that's a they're they're taking the name of somebody important in vain mm-hmm. um and like they they do there's a lot of exposition to do, but I think they handle it reasonably well. For, like, the amount of time they have, they mm-hmm. don't exposition dump very often. Right. And even though, like like you said, we are focusing on quite a few different storylines, um, this is not Game of Thrones where, like, it's all far-flung and nothing intersects. Everything is very much woven into the same plot, um, so you don't, like... 
it, it is not forcing you to like be in this new world and also be in these vast different story plots and things like that. You're kind of all hearing just like the same story with like little tangents every now and then. That's a strong point, Rami, that like all of the characters we are following are connected to at least one other character we're also following. Yeah. So it right. doesn't feel as uh big and vast as a show like season one of Game of Thrones, you're like hopping from continent to continent right. and like yeah. trying to be like, what the fuck is the the world feels deep and large. Mm-hmm. The story feels very intentional and direct and small and I and I appreciate that. Well said, well said. Mm-hmm. Any things we don't like, anybody? Um, the only thing that felt a little like uh, to me was um the 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 sailor murderer before, like you said, Evan, before he jumps off the off the building, he goes on this whole like soliloquy about like there's the fairies they've brought gods with them that are not our gods and they're horrible and dark and evil and and we don't know how to you know deal with them um after the singer gets uh murdered in the end of episode one and we see this like eldritch beast it like replays a bit of his voiceover at that point Mm -hmm. and it's like i didn't need that that feels like something that was like that feels like something that was focus tested that they played like the first three episodes of, yeah. of for, for a group. And they're like, I don't understand what happened there. And they felt like they needed to like dumb it down a little bit for the audience. Um, yeah. And also I, it like, it erases like the possibility that like, maybe this is not that Eldridge beast they were talking about. Like, it's just, it very much just is like, here is what he was talking about. Here is the evil. Here is the God that they've brought about. And it's just like, it's either handholdy or just like cutting yourself off at the ankles for some like twist possibilities. Um, yeah, I, I was going to bring that up also, Ronnie, because yeah. I felt exactly the same way. Uh, the, the most annoying part is the, the bit where he says that is not that far before no. the no. scene. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like, I think there might be one like interstitial scene. Like there's that scene where he clearly, like it's very clearly spelled out like what his, beef is and what his like fear is he he mentions this like dark eldritch thing a few times and then something else small happens and then they cut to the waterfront so it was like it was really it was very much it Mm -hmm. it was very um very unnecessary i felt um uh my two big complaints were that they showed too much of the monster like i would have preferred like a horrible noise from inside the pipe and the the woman's terrified face and perhaps like some some slithering sounds or something just to make it clear that it's not a guy or whatever mm-hmm. um but you know i feel like that would have been a little bit like more suspenseful i like the jaws principle um and then the other thing is like the sex scenes felt kind of gratuitous uh, there were several sex scenes, and they all felt kind of long. Um, there was one where uh, Philo is having sex with his landlady, and like they're you know they have like a kind of a friends with benefits relationship, so like it's all fine. And like there's there was kind of a point to that scene in that like afterwards 
she starts asking him about these scars on his back. Um, and like the scene, the scene where they're actively having sex, they do show you his back, but it's not really clear in that in the active sex scene that he's got like scars on his back. So like it's just, it just went on too long, and there was like it was just like a little bit too explicit, you know. It was it, 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 this is for flavor. This is just for the horny flavor. They put that in, mm-hmm. uh, and then. The scene with uh, Tourmaline and this, uh, like, rich uh, senator's son or whatever, like, he goes to uh, the the brothel that she works at, and they there's, like, quite a long sex scene, and that has no point at all. Like, that, that nothing happens during the sex scene, and, like, the fact that they're having sex is not important at all to anything that's It happening. shows that when you have sex with a fairy, the fairies can make you fly while you're coming. So, so like, like um, yeah, just that's like important. <laughs> I forgot about this senator's son sneaking away to fairy brothels yeah. secretly to mm-hmm. not ruin his father's senatorial career. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that's a metaphor <laughs> for. So my big I... complaint, and it's my big complaint in everything, is it's not gay enough. Um it's it's very clear the subtext that this show is working in and the references to the fairy folks foreign gods and the references to the like class and racial stuff uh is all there but also there's a lot of references to like queer culture and being a queer person and being of a marginalized gender or sexual identity and um there's just they're they're fine with using that subtext, but uh the the metaphor works best when it is direct. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. Um Good good show, everyone. Good Orlando show though, Bloom's yeah. hot in it. Tara Del Delvine, Devine Divine Devine Delavine, whatever. Delavine. Yeah, whatever. She's she's real cute. She's got a real good like she looks like a fairy. You know, she's mm-hmm. got real small features and like real sharp eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And she's just like I don't know. I don't I don't want to say she's like I want to use the word spunky, but that sounds like condescending. She's um she's got a very like sharp delivery mm-hmm. on her lines. She's got uh like a very powerful personality. The only other thing that I would say that is like um a problem for me is a lot of times when it comes to a couple of scenes that I've had, when it comes to the old white dudes with mutton chops and suits, I can't always figure out if it's someone I've seen before or if this is somebody new. Um, More than a couple times I was like, is this the senator or the police chief or a councilman for the, the rich people? Or like, it was just... I was I was losing who I was like supposed to be talking to and a little bit too with the fairies the 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 last scene where the the singer gets murdered I was like is this someone that I've met before it was dark in that scene granted but um I am I'm having a little bit of trouble keeping track with like who these people are when especially all the old white men just all kind of look like old white men um, This poor actress has been in so many bad movies Who's that Cara Delevingne. Oh yeah, yeah. She's been in some hot garbage. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Um, Valerian. Suicide Squad? 
Yeah, she's the enchantress. She's a, yeah. Oh. Uh, she's in the antagonist of it. She's in the really bad Peter Pan movie. Mm. Uh, she does play Mother Chucker in Taylor Swift's Bad Blood, which is dope. Yeah. The Bad Blood music video. Can we stop and talk about how good the Bad Blood music video is? That is a who's who of just, like, badass ladies. Lots of gatekeep girl boss uh, gaslight happening up in there. Ronnie's back. I'm back. I didn't say anything of importance. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that she was in the Taylor Swift Bad Blood music yes. video, and then you disappeared. Yes. But yeah, she she's very talented. I'm I feel bad for her that she's been in a lot of shitty movies. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's been in TV too. Maybe I'm thinking Not of somebody much. else. She's, she's in, in one or two she's episodes in stuff, of stuff though. Like she's yeah. get she getting paid. She needs a better agent is what she needs. Mm-hmm. She's been in some music videos, she's been in some video games, been in a couple TV shows. Yeah. For the sake of all of the world building that they are doing here and for the sake of Cara Delevingne's career. Um, I know we are doing this show uh, with the knowledge that a season two has not been uh, announced nor uh, declined, but I hope it gets a season two. Yeah, I w- I, I'm hopeful that it gets a season two. Although now if it gets a season two, we can take credit for it. Exactly. <laughs> Alleg- <That's>, listen, <laughs> listen. Allegedly, allegedly, at least some episodes had been filmed in 2020 when the pandemic happened Mm. um but like i i whether it's worth it to there's a lot of post-production on this show obviously so like whether it's worth it to them to like finish those episodes or film i don't it's really hard to get info like there are several sites that have claimed like oh yeah it's all filmed and they're in post-production and but i can't like find a source on that like that would be the normal progression of things if they were doing a season two, right. but they said like in 2020 that a season two was going to happen. And now it's been more than two years since they said that. It's an interesting thing with like the Amazons versus like the HBOs of the world where like, and even, even like Netflix, I feel like is in this Amazon camp where it's more about like producing content and like having things on your platform than it is about like getting people talking about the shows on your platform. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like with Game of Thrones and and Succession and whatever the big show of, of the year is on HBO Max, like it's very much built around like what is the buzz this is getting every week. Um, uh, Disney Plus is playing in that world a little bit. I think they want to, but... The Amazons, the Netflix, like it's it's just about like what, how many seasons of anything can we stack on this platform, regardless of there if there is continuity between them, which is mm-hmm. a bummer and not a great. I don't think a great way yeah. to create uh, entertainment, but um, yeah, it is definitely like a business decision on whether to like finish those episodes more than it is like creative integrity interesting thing about this 
uh, it's not based on a primary media. I, I looked yeah. it up because I, I was like, I just sort of assumed that it was like based on a book. Yeah. But it is not. Um, apparently the guy, like the primary writer, like wrote a screenplay and I guess pitched it around. And uh, at some point, Amazon or he or somebody decided that it would work better as a show than as a movie, which, I mean, thank goodness, because there's so much packed into this show. Yes. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. They didn't like he didn't write this as a novel. It was like a, a screenwriter who was like, I've got all these ideas. I got all the ideas. Which is, I mean, it sounds like I'm implying screenwriters don't have ideas. They, right. they, they do, obviously. It's just that typically you don't try to do, uh, like, world building quite this extensive in this medium. Hello. Hi, Ronnie. You back? It's okay. Did you yeah. finish your thought? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. just saying. Typically, like you know, screenwriters yeah. are as creative as anybody else, but typically they don't try to quite do all that much. Right. Like they don't try to do that much crap in I, the media. I ended up uh, having to go back and like watch the opening um, exposition title cards uh, after I watched the pilot. And I was because I had just seen what I had seen. I was looking for like a based on the stories of. Uh, Jonathan Marcus met, uh, but there was not, and I was like, "Huh, is this is this an original IP?" Which again, yeah. you would think Amazon get on this. Yeah. This is an original IP. Yeah, but they can sell merch and shit. If they hell want. yeah, You're, you buy your very own fairy wing corset. Yeah, you can make a, a Disney world that no that amazon whatever amazon's theme park is yeah when amazon builds inevitably builds their theme park so that they can control all of our entertainment right. and purchasing it's um, going to be one of those things where like you go in and it's a very interactive experience where like you're shipping the packages and it's just a way <laughs> to like avoid union laws to get all these people to yeah. volunteer to do uh work for free yeah, you're technically an independent contractor for Amazon now. In entering this building, you signed a, a contract that you mm -hmm. agree that your work will be utilized by Amazon.com, Inc., Jeff Bezos. <laughs> the theme park is free, but you will be required to do eight hours of labor. Uh, yeah. it, we have indentured you on a short-term basis. Y'all want to wrap this? Let's yeah. wrap this, yeah. Like a package and ship it. Uh <laughs> You can uh, follow us on Twitter at PendingPod. You can check out our website, uh, wheretheymay.com, where you can find access to our merch, to other shows on our network, like Force Friends Rewatch, like Good Neighbors, like Fan Fiction is Good, actually. Uh, and you can get access to our Patreon, uh, which you can also access through uh, patreon.com slash WTMRadio. Uh, new stuff up there. Music from me. Gonna be some 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 uh, character notes from over at Good Neighbors, um, and and we are uh, fast approaching where they may may, where there will where be uh, may may. lots of content coming to you, uh, and you'll get that no matter what level that you participate at. Um, so check that out. Great time to sign up. Great time to to up your subscription if you would like to. That is Patreon.com/slash/WTMRadio. Woohoo! Woo. That's it. How do we end these episodes? 
unionize. Yes. Starbucks, Starbucks, unionize. Starbucks. Support your local union. Starbucks is the store in Pennsylvania was the first to organize or unionize. 20 to, 20 to zero. They're all, yeah. they're all unanimous, which is good to see. Love that. Power to the people. Yeah. Where they may radio.